0: You're listening to Security Speaking, the SSI podcast.
1: Welcome to SSI's Security Speaking podcast, brought to you by Security Sales and Integration. Each episode features thought leaders from throughout the professional security channel, discussing technology, winning business practices, hot industry trends, and emerging opportunities. We appreciate your interest and encourage you to subscribe to Security Sales and Integration and its newsletters. Regularly visit securitysales.com for the latest news and follow SSI on social media. Three security integrator leaders discuss how they're holding up amid the pressures of a pandemic. Featured are Mike Meredith, president of Security Equipment Inc. in Omaha, Nebraska, Abe Schwab, Vice President of Care Security Systems in New York, and Kekin Shaw, President of Shanix Technology in Cranston, Rhode Island. They lend insights on staffing, customer service, new technologies, cybersecurity, and managed services. Let's jump right in with, uh, you know, the big, topic this year unfortunately uh, has been the pandemic and you know how let's talk first about how it's uh, impacted your organizations internally and then we'll talk after that about uh,
2: you know with your customer base. Awesome so uh, we feel like uh, we're in New York we're a little bit ahead of the curve uh, as it relates to COVID-19. We were hit hard early early on uh, and we feel like we're turning uh, turning the corner. Um, we hope we are. I guess no one knows for sure, but it, uh, it, it feels that way. Um, and that's the general feeling that you get from the people that are in the region. Um, so internally, uh, early on, we were working... Uh, 90, 99% remotely. Being an essential business, of course, we never stopped. And servicing critical infrastructure, uh, we've, we've never uh, had even a pause in our business. Uh, but uh, our office, administrative, sales, uh, accounting departments all work remotely, and that was pretty smooth. Um, uh, and um, now, That things are loosening up a little bit and our governor said that we're in phase four. Uh, We are starting to bring back some of our, I would say we're at 50% capacity now. Um, And we, of course, practicing social distancing in the office, uh, sterilizing the office and um, uh, making sure that our people are taking precautions. Uh, But we are at about 50% of our our staff coming into the office at this time, and it's all voluntary. Um, We're not mandating whoever can work from home. We're still recommending, believe it or not, a lot of our staff are requesting to come in because of, as you can imagine, there's a a social aspect of being in the office and also productivity-wise, of course, uh, you get more done when you're there.
1: All right, thank you. Let's continue with Mike on that. Yep, sure.
0: Thanks. So o- overall, um, I would say we're, we're pretty fortunate being in the Midwest. Um, I really feel for Abe and probably Keegan on, on the, West, yeah, the East Coast. Um, you know, we get, We've been watching what's going on in New York daily, and uh, it, it's been a tough haul. We've been fortunate from that standpoint that our, our offices in our areas are a little more open and, and never really shut down completely, although they did shut down. Uh, similar to Abe, we are also working mainly remotely. Um, we're a little bit different because we have a 24-7 UL listed uh, monitoring center. We monitor all of our alarm counts. We have about 17,000 customers. So uh, there was not a book for a pandemic. <laughs> there was a book for about everything else but a pandemic. So that got uh, pretty scary, but we, it, we had to make some decisions real quick that um, we could not have the, the pandemic, the disease go through the monitoring center. So we really had to remove most staff from the office and protect that at all costs. Um, So we've been working really remotely and I've been unbelievably surprised at how well our staff has adapted to that. Um, I'm going to guess my peers that they always talked about having people work remotely and it was on our list too. It just never got in the top 10 um, and it moved all of a sudden from 10 to one real fast. And most of our staff has done a
3: fantastic job
0: and our IT staff, uh, has done a great job of, of implementing that. So we've been really pleased with that. Um, our markets have stayed, uh, you know, our main, our main impact has been our national accounts business. Um, we don't, it, we don't have a large one, but we have a, a pretty solid core. And that a lot of that got put on hold, of course, because traveling around the country was not going to happen. And people didn't want us in the facilities, obviously servicing to people just did not want people coming in their offices. So that that uh, got affected quite a bit. We would probably say we're about 80% capacity is what we dropped to, and probably about 50% on the service side. Um, so those were the main things um, that really got affected. But you know, I, I I'd say right now with there's so many people hurting and all that right now, to say 80% we're we're pretty we're pretty happy with that. Um, PPP money, of course, helped immensely. Um, you know, kudos to our government. I thought they put something into uh, in really. I think we all want to complain about our government. There's a lot to complain about, but I think this was a program that came out really fast and really quick and, and while there's some hiccups to it, it's been really good for and kept companies like all of ours going and, and the ability to not have to lay off people, which was the key and we have not laid anyone off. So um, that's been great. Um, we've been doing weekly YouTubes and email updates, explaining everything to our offices and to our staff on where we're at and where we're going and what we're doing. And um, just kind of improvise, adapt it, and try to overcome and and so far knock on wood uh, so so far not too bad.
1: Thank you Mike. Kekin what about uh, you and your company you know wh- how have you gone through it and uh, where are you at today? So you know again we
3: are based out in, in Northeast. Um, we are somewhat neighbors to New York. New York isn't that five three hour drive in New York. Um, that said ryan has handled this much better first of all the small size and you know the governor took uh, proactive action from the beginning um our our case rates and percentage wise we are much better than our neighbors connecticut and massachusetts been um we have stayed open uh, but we had everybody work remotely as many as we could other than technicians coming to get some parts and parts and, and some products, which would kind of set it up on the, on the loading back, so they can put it, pick it up and go without having to come in without a reason. Um, but again, you know, we kind of kept majority of our employees employed throughout this thing. Initially, the fact that we couldn't go into many, many commercial buildings, we kind of used that time to do the training and some of the things that needed to happen. And now um, at full scale back, we are in a position because we do a lot of work at schools, uh, K through 12 and uh, higher ed. It feels like we don't have enough people to to get things done by the end of August for the school start, But, Um, I'm not so sure, longer term than that, what the business future looks like after that. Um, There's still still a little bit of reluctance in some of the buildings to open up the outside, like us to go install something. Even though we had orders, we couldn't complete the installation. Um, But overall, um, starting July and August, we are very understaffed, at least from the technician status slash installation they're looking for outside people to help us with uh, subcontracting and things like that um, but it was definitely through march april may and most of june i would say business was off uh, buildings wasn't getting done because we couldn't go out there and get work done. other than the hospitals we serve the healthcare uh, vertical um, now the schools are starting to open up, the higher ed is starting to open up and they say, come on, get the work done. We'll clean their classrooms before the students come back in. Uh, so all of a sudden there's a major crunch in July and August to get a bunch of projects done. And I apologize for my camera not working On what happened, but um, at least you
1: can hear me. That's <laughs> okay, thank you for that. So if um, you had to say what are the top two challenges that you're facing as we sit here today relative to the COVID situation, uh, what would they be and how are you dealing with that? So um, let's go round robin back the other way, uh, starting with Keckin
3: on that. So our challenges have been, our procurement keeps telling us to get the product delivered in a timely manner. is starting to become a challenge. Um, some of the products is not as quickly available to ship, and sometimes the product, but it's the small things that we can get in a timely manner. That has been a, one big challenge. Then we got um, other issue is everything has slowed down. Some of the receivables are slowed down there was some of this was anticipated just the way that the, the the people are you know working from home not as not as efficient maybe initially uh, purchase order which would normally take to get it to us in two three days once the customer says the green light now starting to take 10 and 12 days it just builds the crunch time so our, our biggest challenge is is our receivable slowdown All little bit getting the product in a Handling manner, um, has heard of a little bit to be efficient, um, and, 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 and some of the, because you're servicing healthcare industry, you know, implementing all the rules and regulations that our state slash healthcare industry is toward, asking us to maintain before we dispatch people to those healthcare facilities, and rightfully so. Um, it just added a little extra burden to, to make sure we keep logs and records and taking care of things like they would like to in case they want to do an audit of who went when and where. Uh, that, that's, that's my, that's, those are the first things come to my mind right now.
1: All right, thank you. Mike?
3: Um,
0: yeah, I would say, you know, right now we're, we're cautiously optimistic. Um, June has seen a little bit of an uptick and we're pleased with that. Sales has increased um, we closed out a, a strong June, which is good. And we're starting to see some of those jobs that got put on hold. Um, they're asking for them to be installed now. So we're, we're, we're happy to see that. Obviously my biggest fear is I think is when you get up every morning and you watch the news, maybe I shouldn't watch the news is you hear about obviously COVID breaking out more and in the, the second wave and those type of things. And that's obviously my biggest, I'd say our biggest fear is to have a second uh, shutdown across the country and all of a sudden put all those things back on hold um, is, is kind of what we are. We, you know, we're, we're staying conservative. Um, uh, like Keegan said, product is a concern too. Um, you know, we, we do some work with Honeywell and all that and they're having some issues getting product right now I think out of their Mexico plant. I didn't even know they made stuff in Mexico, but I guess they do. Um, that's always an issue and just and just being able to um, let your customers know that you're going to come into their buildings and be safe and, and what I, I've been kind of saying is we are, or actually need to convince them that we can be safe. You know, We're going to come in with masks. We're going to come in with hand sanitizers. We're going to come in with Uh, shields Um, we're going to come in and be safe and stay away from your team and your safe and and be as sanitary as we can and and hopes that they'll let us in there to do this work because we're fortunate they haven't canceled the jobs Um, they're still there but at some point I I need to install them so I can fill them so um, you know we're really kind of trying to get out there and work with our customers on what's the safest way we can take some of these jobs that have been placed on hold Get in your facilities. Do it safely. Do it so you're comfortable with us being there. Let me explain how we're going to do it. How we're going to keep your 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 people safe and, and my people safe, and and, and try to slowly uh, reopen this country.
2: Thank you. So, Abe? Yeah. So I mean, challenges. I would say the number one challenge has been, uh, for our new construction group, um. Our other groups, like critical infrastructure, utilities, the medical manufacturing, um, we haven't seen a lot of challenges there because, on the contrary, we've seen an increase in COVID wards. Uh, utilities um, are increasing the need for um, for their analytics, for their uh, their um, um, their contact tracing. And uh, so we're seeing an uptick in business around as far as they concerned. I guess the new construction where things kind of got shut down. Uh, and um, we are seeing a little bit of that reopening, but it's slow. I think it's the last thing that they're going um, to really put, in, put into full force. But we are seeing some of that reopening. Uh, as Michael said, we are concerned that, you know, there would be a, another spike and shut things down again to further delay those new constructions. So our new construction group has seen uh, the, the the most challenges, um, whereas the others have seen in, uh, an uptick in business. Uh, our year-over-year numbers are good, because we've uh, matched uh, 2020 to 2019 to date, uh, which is great considering COVID. Uh, I think we would have beat it considerably if not for COVID. Um, the, the The other con- challenge that we are concerned about is getting in front of uh, clients to build our pipe drive. Um, because we can't get in front of them, we have to do zoom and teams and all you know o- other kinds of methods of of speaking to them without having that face to- face interaction um, for new opportunities for existing opportunities we are going to customers we are doing surveys we are we are you know. Meet, uh, having those meetings. It's the new opportunities where a sales director doesn't want to take a new guy in to, to talk about uh, potential new opportunities. So those net new opportunities um, are a concern, and we hope that um, we're able to get in front of them soon. Uh, as far as uh, budgets for projects that were cut, most of them look like they're going to be reallocated for 2021, which is good. They're just on hold. They're not canceled. So, you know, our, our outlook is good. And we're hopeful that if, if this thing leaves us uh, and the, you know, there are no more uh, uh, surprises in our whole uh, uh, society, then we're going to, um, you know, think things will continue to improve.
1: You know, most integrators I know are so busy, you know, they're always trying to do, you know, so many things, wearing so many hats, and there's always, you know, too much to do. And certainly there was a lot to do to contend and deal with the COVID situation, but also I think there's been an opportunity for many to sort of take a step back a little bit and sort of reassess or reevaluate the whole business and how things are done and the organization and things like that. So could any of you jump in and speak to that at all and sort of what you're maybe learning from this and and maybe there's some value to come out of it in that sense?
0: I can jump in right off the bat. And and this one's you know, not is what probably everyone's thinking is you're finding out that your team can work from home remotely and not all of them, but we are finding some that are just killing it from working from home. I mean, they get up at 745 with their sweatpants and their bowl of Cheerios and they just pound it out. And, and that's fantastic. So kind of, like I said earlier, it was always on our list of things we wanted to, to evaluate, but it just never got to the top. And so, um, we're, there's some people that aren't coming back to work. I can tell you that they can work from home and we've got the statistics, statistics to prove it. Um, and I think that's going to be a trend for our customers as well that we're going to have to see moving forward. I mean, real estate and where it's going. And, and, and there's going to be a new work. I mean, zoom, zoom is the new meeting. Now we've got several meetings. I think that will stay zoom. Some will go back to in person and, but a lot of them won't. So, um, that, that's been the biggest one I've found And in, you know, uh, our own office building. I'm like, I think I can, I've got like three conference rooms. I think I can go down to one after this. So I may be trying to lease some space, which probably won't go very well, but if you know anyone in Nebraska, wants space, have them give me a call. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. And, and just being more efficient, um, IT too. I was worried to death about cybersecurity and hacks and all that. And, and they just stepped up with, you know, everybody logging in from out, outside the, and, and it's just, been going well. We've had a you know a few minor issues, but but it hasn't it hasn't hurt our productivity at all. So uh, I, I just been thrilled thrilled with how when the going got tough, our team really really got going and just and just and just kind of ebbed and flowed with it and and, and moved on.
1: Mike, do you see that as a circumstance also where maybe employers such as yourself will have to look at providing more home office related you know, equipment and services to the homes and things like that? Or is that incumbent upon the employees?
0: No, I, I think it's, a, I think it's a part, maybe a little bit of boys, but I think it's the employer. We have had some staff that we're starting to try to bring back into the office because they don't have good internet or they're, you know, they've got right now kids at home. And so they just, not everybody is conducive to that. But, but I think it, it's been a great test for us to figure out who can really do it and who can't. And, um, and, and so that's what I think has been, has been great. And I, and honestly, I mean, every other bu- business is doing the same. They've got staff at home too. And we're all saying, Hey, these four, five, six, seven people are just rock stars. They do not need to come back to the office. They're killing it. And then you've got the others that say, okay, well, I know they want to work from home, but they are not killing it. They're making a lot of mistakes um, and they're having issues and they need to be brought back into the office. So um, it just jumped to number one on the list. And we all just made it work. And so Um, I think that's the new norm. And so we're going to have to adapt our security and our protocol and what we do, we work with our customers. We're going to have to adapt that accordingly.
2: Mike, can I, can I ask Mike a question? Just, uh, we've had, we've had the same experience and, you know, we've had some, as you, as you call them rock stars that are just so focused Uh, and you say, I'm talking 545 in the morning. I'm starting to see emails starting to get cranked out. I mean, these, yeah. these guys are not wasting time on the hour, the hour commute. They're not wasting time uh, um, at the water cooler. They're yeah. staying focused. We, we seen, we're seeing the same thing. But I, I, what I'm concerned, what I'm, what I'm thinking about, a long-term effect on employee retention, if you don't have that camaraderie that builds that loyalty and dedication and feeling of belonging to a family or a, a, a worthwhile group, I'm just wondering what the long-term effect on that is gonna be if we're just working machines working from home, getting a lot done, and we're just yep. seeing each other via Zoom, but not able to slap each other on the back and have a good joke and, and you know have a beer together or you know right. happy hour at the end of the week or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've we've thought about that as well, Abe. I mean you're kind of hit some points too. And and so there's been talk about that maybe maybe people work Monday, Wednesday, Friday from home. Maybe they come in Monday, Tuesday, and then other staff comes in. Uh, Thursday, Fridays, to try to keep that camaraderie going right. uh, maybe they maybe they come in for the Friday cookout and they work half a day here we, we, we I agree with you completely on that. we're always this teamwork in this thing and and that that's something that if they're just from home that maybe they don't get that experience. Uh, one thing I will tell you that that um, I don't know if you have branch offices or not, we do is you start to find that once you start to have branch offices you keeping the company culture becomes more of a challenge and you have to go to these work in a way, work from home, but they're working from branch offices. So you can't have a company cookout and you don't have everyone anyway, because you've got three or four offices that don't there either. So you either got to go visit them and have a company. Now you got to have five company cookouts, which if you're trying to lose weight. It's probably not good for you, (laughs) but, (laughs) but those are the things you got to try to overcome. So I think I agree with you that company culture and dialogue, and I will tell you that, what we've been doing, and it wasn't my idea, it was my COO's idea. We decided to go to a YouTube video, and we did a weekly YouTube, so we could explain what's going on with that. And we started to make it a little bit more amusing. We joked about haircuts and things like that. And I wore a, a fake mullet one day, and 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 just and they had screenshotted us, and you know, put me on a fishing boat and some silly things like that, and tried to make it fun and and interactive, and that really went over well with our staff, and it kind of made me realize that why why we want people in the office, and and that they can work from home, and if you do those kind of things, you can get those type of messages over, and that teamwork, and camaraderie, and that type of stuff, and maybe you bring them in once a month, or only twice a month, or maybe the weekly meeting that was always in the conference room is now a monthly meeting in the conference room, and on Zoom the three other times.
2: Oh, absolutely. I can't agree with you more about the, the yeah. conference room meetings, how they, they are so much more efficient now that mm-hmm. we're doing it via Zoom. I would almost yeah. do it via Zoom in the office, from the desk. I
0: I, I agree, too. So I mean, I, it's opened my eyes immensely that, that I thought everyone had to be in the office. And then you start to figure out that, that not everyone does. And they're still on the team, and they're still working hard.
3: So um, if I may jump in here, we also have. This is kicking now speaking. Go ahead. Okay, I apologize. Um, so we at Genex also we, we we found out that how remote work is efficient, doable. Obviously, it depends on the person. Sometimes you know, some people are better in the office and they're a little more focused, but there are others who can really pull it off. Um, <clears throat> One of the things that first showed up very quickly as people were working remotely is that communication. That if it wasn't communicated properly of what that job is, what that job kickoff meeting and all the details weren't there properly, we were struggling with that a little bit because we probably didn't do a good enough job prior to that and that has streamlined our communication much better. In turn, the job kickoffs are going smoother than they used to before, and they have every bit of information they needed. People were before a little bit lazy and not putting as many details as needed to be on a a job folder, if you will, which electronically emailed to people, but a lot of questions came up. And they used to, before they took off for the job, they would ask the salesperson or whoever in charge, project manager would get the answer. But... We also have rotated, like for an example, project managers, and we have three of them, they rotate, and that schedule is up to them when they want to do it. Only one project manager at a time can be in the office, other two cannot. Then uh, beyond that, we had uh, most of our people, we kind of hired a person who delivers the equipment. So our installers would go, directly to the job site, and somebody would deliver all the equipment to them. We need to know what is it that's missing at the job site instead of the installers coming back. We just have a runner who goes and does. And and by far, in Rhode Island, not too many things far, but, you know, we do go work in Boston area and whatnot. But it has worked out pretty good. Um, a couple of places we ship equipment to. But it definitely has opened our eyes because it is definitely doable. Um, all our salespeople were a little bit remote before, now everybody's remote, unless you have a reason to come into the office, you don't come in. And, and it could be that meeting, it could be, you know, that, but, but we try to keep less than 50% of the staff which used to be in the office uh, on a daily basis, uh, So we're probably at 45% people coming into the office on a daily basis, uh, and, and they rotate a lot. If there's the same function, and if they can figure out, because we were worried about keeping that social distance. You know, project manager were in one big room, but they were like within very close vicinity because the cubes were like next to each other. Even if you wanted to, if they all showed up, you couldn't keep them social distancing six feet apart. So, uh, but we leave it up to them. They figure it out. It's not posted on the schedule, so we know who's coming in and, and who's going to be where, that kind of thing. It worked out pretty good, actually. Um, so that, that's, that's our two cents
1: on that. Thank you. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, as I'm listening to this, especially commercial offices, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, if they're going with this trend of having a lot more remote workers on more of a long-term permanent basis, do you think that's going to impact uh, that vertical in terms of you know the integration business for commercial offices and, and those types of things they will not need as many of them and they'll be more folks working from home
0: I, I think it certainly could it would be a concern that we're looking at um i have some friends in the real estate sector and obviously i, I actually did I, I i put i put uh, part of our building up for lease just to see if there was interest and he and he said you know you know the market's dead right now and i'm like I know that but if you get somebody and it works it works if it doesn't we'll we'll just move on with what we have but yeah i think that's a concern i think real estate was booming before um this all happened and i'm not sure that it could affect those people for the positive
2: so that was mike thank you yes sorry mike yeah yeah i think that it's um you know similar to what michael said that's uh it's anyone's guess, uh, what's going to happen, uh, whether people will start coming back for the social aspect of it or they're going to be a lot more commercial space. I, I too, spoke to some commercial real estate people. Uh, they had a different, they had an interesting take on it. They thought that a lot of the commercial office uh, uh, interest was going to move from the city to the suburbs. Uh, so kind of like a hybrid. Uh, why would I spend $1,000 or $10,000 a square foot in New York City? when I can do it for 25 in the suburb or $30 in the mm-hmm. suburb. Uh, so they might be uh, unloading some of that expensive real estate, but picking up some less expensive real estate and uh, in the suburbs. Uh, and it might be kind of like a hybrid where they can be working in more of a satellite office environment, coming in part-time environment, um, where they're seeing that the expensive real estate is not as necessary. That, that was a take that one of the real estate people I spoke with.
1: So, uh, and, and Abe, speaking of um, some of your comments, you know, you mentioned uh, a little while ago about some of the opportunity side of it. And so we're hearing, you know, things about contact tracing and thermal temperature sensing and infrared and all these kinds of things. How much do each of you see a lot of opportunity in this? You know, how much you think is real? How much you think maybe is somewhat high in the sky? So uh, who'd like to jump in first on that
2: one? I can jump in. Well, being through the uh, the whole up and down of the COVID here um, thus far. So definitely uh, in talking about reopening, there's been a tremendous amount of traction uh, in those conversations of temperature, thermal uh, contact tracing, uh, people counting and whatnot. Uh, there's been a lot of interest and And we've actually implemented many of those systems already. But I think more, and and it might be a trend, it might be a fad that will go away. I don't know, I don't think anyone knows for sure what's going to be. But I think more important than the actual traction for these subsystems like temperature sensing and people counting, which is not the meat and potatoes of what we do, uh, is the more important thing is that we have a open dialogue with our clients. We're on weekly calls, uh, planning their opening, uh, talking about the security requirements, speaking about their these type of needs that they might need, introducing new manufacturers to them. It's been It's become a tremendous opportunity for us to work with our clients and have that open and dialing remain very uh, relevant to them. And uh, we've we found that to be uh, an excellent opportunity for us. That was Abe. Thank you. Um,
0: okay, yeah, no, I'll jump on this, Mike. Um, if you told me I have to tell you today whether it's trend or fad, uh, I'm going to go with fad. Um, I, think, I think as soon as there's a vaccine, this is going to calm down. That being said, I think there's a market for it right now. Um, we have sold a couple and are in the process of installing them. Um, I think the one we have proposed several, but there's been a little sticker shock. Um, I'm cautious about them, too. I just feel like, okay, these really work. Um, but you know, and talking and vetting them, they seem to. So um, we'll see. I certainly would not be emphasizing this in my my business planning for the next 12 to 18 months. I just my opinion today is that it's not. It's a fad. But again, that's a simply an opinion, and it's probably not worth
1: anything. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks, Keegan. What do you think about these opportunities? So so I,
3: I also think, depending on uh, in specific, but this temperature, thermal uh, cameras and reading of that, the minute we find a solution, whether it's a right uh, like medication, right like vaccine, whatever that is, um, it's, it's going to fade away. I think it's, in my eyes, you know, make you feel good piece of equipment because uh, the camera reads your temperature and you come in, but there is no way to know whether the person is positive or negative uh, with this virus. But that said, what it's helped with is, we're to, starting to talk to customers about more intelligent system, um, you know, more features which will allow you to track somebody, where they've been in your facility, whether the facial recognition, and uh, and some of the other manufacturers have come up with some very interesting uh, uh, product that uh, VMS is doing a lot more intelligence uh, with the camera system as a person, what part of the building, what camera did you walk in front of, and almost trace you where. So if you needed to, and that could be utilized for more than just the widespread, it, it could be utilized for, you know, auditing something, if a bad incident happens, something got stolen, all of that, to be realizing people are paying more attention to that. Customers are listening to them more. Right, to this, I thought when you started to pitch this, uh, they didn't have just as much interest what they have today, because it makes more sense to them. Uh, so that part will help us as an industry, because more and more people want that system to be that much more intelligent than just just then, watch what's going on. Um, so, beyond that, uh, a lot of touchless sensors, such as car access—you know, uh, open those doors without anybody touching anything—make make them more intelligent. Um, so that that's where I think we all will benefit from. Um, but not so much as those thermal cameras. We also tested a bunch of them. We quoted three or four. One is in the test at the customer site. is a school system, which they want to deploy one at every school. But there's all sorts of reasons why they can't, because now you're identifying a kid and pronouncing it the rest of people who are trying to come in, that this kid's got high temperature. That's a challenge. So how do you do that and do it efficiently? So if you do it behind a closed door, it's going to take you so much longer to do this. So it becomes impractical. So there is, there's, um, as much as the equipment is there, uh, logistics of how it gets deployed is a little more challenging is where I'm going with it. Um, so I don't know that that will set the world on fire with with thermal cameras, in my opinion. Uh, nevertheless, we jumped in and we tested and we, we are learning all about it. Because our, our customers are asking us questions. So we want to make sure we give them an appropriate, correct answer. Rather than you know uh, some of this junky stuff that's available, and they look at this and for two hundred dollars they can deploy a camera, which doesn't do anything for them. It's just, nobody's going to calibrate. You know, calibration is a challenge, and a bunch of other challenges. So that's Mike's opinion on that. I,
0: I would. Add, this is Mike. I, I would add too that I, I was. I'm, I'm surprised. Like our analytics, we that has not. I thought we'd have more traction with that because I see analytics as a future. I'm sure you guys. A lot of you do as well. And I'm kind of surprised we have not had more quotes, and, and that has not gone up hardly at all. And I, I'm shocked by that. I don't know if that's – you guys send seen an increase or norm or anything.
2: I have. I have. We've done quite a bit of, of uh, analytics with, with the contact tracing and people counting. In fact, we have one uh, client uh, who is one of the largest um, uh, sports franchises that um, did a complete upgrade – to uh, Bluetooth readers uh, a- across the board, and then added the analytics on top of it. So they have a touchless entry system uh, across their international uh, uh, sites. So they can uh, they can use your own uh, your own device, your own phone, to unlock the door, and then the analytic is actually tracing them as they. As they uh, walk through this facility, so that that was an exciting, an exciting project, and yeah. def- definitely substantial. Yeah. So we we've seen some traction on that side. I think it's coming. I think we're a few, we're we're a couple weeks ahead of you guys because we're, <laughs> you know, we were we were down in the ditches uh, several months ago, and then mm. people started to dig their way out a little earlier and start thinking about it. So I think it's coming to the rest of the country, and this is a, yeah.
0: yeah. Good, I, and we see that a lot. You guys get the trends and the first things up. E- even before pandemic. You guys it seems hits the coast first before it gets to the Midwest. So I'm happy to hear that. So that's good.
1: Yeah, I think just uh, as an aside, it's so key to you know manage those customers' expectations through a time like this. There's so much, you know, uh, unsureness for lack of a better term, and uh, skepticism and Everybody's looking for guidance and help, and so um, I could see a lot of unrealistic expectations possibly cropping up, you know, and um, so, yeah, I got to keep it real with those guys. Um, Well, we could talk about this topic forever, but let's move on to some other stuff, and um, let's uh, jump into cybersecurity a little bit. Where are each of your uh, companies in terms of, of that? Uh, how involved are you on the cyber side of things? How involved do you think you'll get on the cyber side of things? Um, and how do you think the industry's progressing in that regard? So, um, who'd like to jump in first on cyber? If
2: you'd like, I can. Um, Go, uh, Abe. Thank you. So. On the cyber side of things, our, our clients are definitely demanding uh, much more cybersecurity. Fortunately, the manufacturers we work with are taking it seriously. Um, we have been driven by the request of over the last several years of of tightening up the cybersecurity policies uh, to uh, have a, 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 a large cybersecurity insurance policy that we have to carry. Uh, working with very regulated environments like utilities, uh, you know, th- and and healthcare, they they have some very strict uh, enf- enforcements of them, and uh, we've seen that they're taking it very seriously. We're taking it very seriously, and we've insured ourselves as such. So definitely something that we were seeing, we are seeing a lot of, uh, and um, being a government contractor, having a GSA schedule. Um, even binds us more strictly to make sure that we're abiding by those policies and only using manufacturers that are approved. So uh, definitely something we take very seriously, something that our customers take very seriously, and uh, we are protecting ourselves as such. Thank you, Abe.
0: Um, I'll jump in there. I don't have much to add other than what Abe said. It's, it's similar. Yeah, I mean all every customer is taking it um cybersecurity very serious fitting conversation for the day because apparently um I got several emails this morning that some some you know phishing expedition snagged my it said sent it out to several employees about hey I need a favor, I need your personal cell, call me and and so uh, fortunately for us, we do a lot of um, training with our staff and we just did another one uh, about two weeks ago. So no one, no one, no one fell for it. So um, kudos to my team for that. But uh, it's just ongoing and never ending. And it's, it's, it's the same, they're demanding insurance policies. They wanna know your, your procedures and everything you do. And that's just gonna continue. Uh, it, it will continue to be just a, a part of the future.
2: Don't be a clicker, right?
0: Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and hover. Always hover. Hover over that email address.
3: Mm-hmm. So this is Kakin. Um, You know, I think I concur with the other two who just mentioned a whole bunch of precautions we are taking. Um, and uh, Interestingly enough, our health care, we do a bunch of hospitals, have come out with a very stringent, very um, good policy, which has made them change a whole bunch of equipment, which were legacy equipment, old equipment to the latest and greatest, so that you know it meets all the cyber security requirements. They've set the level. Uh, we have to anytime we deploy a new piece of equipment, they first check and make sure it will comply with their regulations before we can deploy it. Um, and it has become a, a little bit it used to be a big challenge. Now it's getting easier and easier. You know, like the described it, that our industry is now taking it very seriously and addressing a lot of the needs that they weren't there good 16, 18 months ago. In the last 18 months, they've come a long way. Um, so, you know, we, we also have partnered up with a network uh, security kind of company locally because our knowledge is limited. Once in a while, we'll get a customer who has our system deployed uh, looking to improve their security, uh, network security, and we would recommend a partner would go and kind of do a survey and tell them what needs to be improved and where at what level. Um, but we, we would definitely, we have in-house capability to definitely understand the type of equipment we're deploying and, and, and make sure it meets requirement uh, for the for the customer and we do not the fact that we are also DoD certified uh, integrator uh, we were early in learning all the things what to do and what don'ts were and we regularly get audited every year to make sure we're complying with all their requirements as to how we store things how we communicate what goes on what doesn't go on all of that we were trained early on, and and that made it a little bit easier to understand. And then we also have to regularly train our employees. You know, a little bit of turnover, a little bit of uh, uh, if you don't keep reminding them, they may forget, and something, <laughs> a small crack would fall through, kind of thing. But we have a, a quarterly training unless something comes up and we choose to bring people in to make sure they understand
1: what we're talking about or what not to do. Thank you, Keegan. So you know, cyber, of course, lends itself well to a managed services model. Uh, Let's continue along that line, you know, uh, access and video as a service. To what extent are each of you involved with that and to what extent are you interested in, in being involved with it? So uh, let's just go right all back to, to Abe to start on that one. Sure,
2: so uh, managed services, um, we don't do a lot of. Uh, we, do, we see it a little bit um, for smaller companies, but most of our clients are larger national uh, or as I mentioned before, critical infrastructure, They have their own GSOCs, they have their own security team, they have their own private cloud many times, definitely their own IT departments uh, that prefer to host and manage their own systems for cybersecurity reasons, as well as budget reasons and control reasons. So uh, we don't see a lot of the hosted uh, requests uh, with the verticals that we work with. But,
1: Abe, before uh, we move on, what is uh, your company's uh, leading uh, recurring revenue stream, would you
2: say? Recurring revenue stream? So um, it, it would be our service agreements um, and our, uh, our uh, software maintenance agreements. Uh, that would be our leading recurring revenue. Alarm is not our, 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 you know, big recurring revenue. Alarm systems monitoring and so on. A video monitoring, not as well. So our our largest uh, recurring revenue stream would be our maintenance agreements and software maintenance agreements.
1: And are you increasingly able to uh, do some of the troubleshooting and uh, even remediation
2: remotely through uh, a platform? Oh, absolutely. Yes, My, we we have dedicated uh, engineers, programmers, technicians that sit back now at their home offices, but typically at our home office uh, and their sole job is to do support remotely. And it's been an unbelievably effective method of of um, supporting our clients. It's been cost effective, it's been time effective, uh, and uh, it's it's really been a, a huge, huge plus over the last few years, getting stronger and stronger. Do you
1: use any uh, tools
2: uh, that you'd be willing to mention by name or is it proprietary or yeah. So th- that's, no, that's an intu- I have no issue mentioning it, but most of that is driven by the IT department uh, that we're working with. So depending on what token they're using or uh, VPN uh, software that they're using, that's typically driven by them. And that's why we're, and we're mandated to use what they, what they require. It's usually a, a lengthy process of vetting in order to be able to uh, get that access. Sometimes we have to use their company laptops even to be on their VPN. It, it's, it's pretty intense, but once we have it in place, it's a, it's a terrific tool. Thank you. Mike?
0: Okay, yeah, so managed access, yeah, huge for us. We've been doing it for a long time. It's, it was, it's part of our past, it's part of our present, it's part of our future. I'm a huge believer in it. Um, we are not a installation company. We are we are a service provider. That's how I see it. And every customer, as far as I'm concerned, is, is, we're servicing them and we need to be getting some sort of recurring revenue out of them. Whether we're monitoring their fire alarm, their burglar alarm, we're managing their access, we're doing health monitoring on their video, we're pulling video for them, um, we're doing guard, uh, video guard tours, you name it, we're doing it for them, And, um, uh, to get on a soapbox, but I would highly recommend uh, everybody do that. So if, if, if you have a customer that is a long-standing customer, you should be monitoring their fire alarm if they want you to or their security. And if you need somebody to monitor it, I'll do it for you. But I wouldn't give up any recurring revenue ever. So um, I think the more you continue to talk to that customer and, and be that service provider, um, the bigger and better you'll be.
1: So obviously you're you're satisfied with the uh the vendor platforms that are out there now to uh, bring that to fruition
0: yeah I've actually yeah i'm actually i'm looking at one i gotta sign a i'm signing a, a platform right now to bring some more video into our our monitoring center as we speak so it can um, do better uh, do a better job of health monitoring on um, NVRs and things of that nature and be able to talk to more um, access control and all that so we're um, yeah, we just continue to sell it as a service, and we're finding more and more customers. Now, you're going to have your applications similar to a, your large, large customers that have their own sockets and those type of things, and so you're going to have to work with them accordingly, But that, and that's going to be more of a software support type stuff and all that type from a monthly standpoint. But I think, and, and, and maybe moving forward, as is, is, is co- companies take kind of a backseat, as profits kind of go down this year, and they're going to probably want to eliminate some of those things. So I see those as an opportunity. To be that service provider for them. And instead of them hiring staff to do something, um, pay me a monthly fee and uh, I'll do it for you. Because we all know finding people right now is very, very hard. Um, I, you know, we're not getting, no, no certified technicians is walking through the door today want, wanting to be interviewed, I'm guessing. I know they aren't here. I'm, if they are at your place, send them to Omaha, I'll take them. But that's just not happening. And so the more you can be a service provider for your customer and help them out, um, the better off you're going to be and the more sticky they are and they'll stay with you as, as long as you provide that service for them. Now, we certainly have the advantage of the monitoring center. That's that's certainly a huge advantage for us, but there's other ways integrators can do that.
1: How how much, to what extent do you monitor for other companies?
0: Um. We do not a lot, but we kind of have our handful select. We've got a couple of PSA customers um, that we're working with. One's in uh, Indiana, I'll just say it that way. And, and he's switching over his, uh, his systems to us right now. And uh, just a handful here and there. So it's not a huge, we're not out trying to be some big third party provider. Um, but if people are interested to have what we, I still call it a, a little more of a personal touch because why 17,000 customers is a lot. It's not compared to cops and, and all the other big ones that, you know, affiliated and all those are huge. And, and if you didn't want to do it with me, I'd, I'd recommend you find a third party provider to monitor. Um, I'm just a believer of if the customer wants me to do the business, I should do the business unless I'm completely incapable of doing it. Um, I want to do as much as I can to keep him as sticky as possible. So I try to do it all. And if I can third party something out or have a have a, a affiliation with somebody else, like if somebody wanted me to do their cybersecurity, while I'm not a cybersecurity guy, I would find a third-party
1: provider to do it for them, if that's really what they want, or I do it all for them, so. Thank you, Mike. Um Ken, mm-hmm. where, where does your company stand with uh, hosted and managed services?
3: So, so um, again, we are also not an intrusion type of uh, provider, but, because of the integrated system we do get into the um, uh, you know intrusion systems but most of our income for reoccurring income comes from the managed services service contract and software maintenance just like Abe described more or less um, we are increasing the biggest portion we're seeing increasing is the managed services we, we, we have a lot of customers who just give us the system to manage it, it, it right down to entering a new um, user in their system we input that in get it ready for them assign them you know whatever needs to be assigned for time zones and all that stuff and get it back to them uh, that's been working very good and that model has worked for a lot of customers who have multiple locations and they seem to struggle with managing that um, then on the, on the healthcare industry lately, um, one of the new things they are exploring, which I think will bring a lot of uh, revenue to our industry would be they're looking to change password of every single device on a quarterly basis. We have a hospital with over a thousand devices. That's gonna be a hefty bill every quarter reoccurring that we go, uh, go not necessarily physically go there, but go into their system and change all the passwords, uh, every single device, and that's the recommendation, that's the mandated rule for every device. So we just quoted that, and that's gonna be a big boost to us because this one group of hospitals owns four or five hospitals, and each one has hundreds and hundreds of devices of ours, which need to have quarterly uh, password change so that, that that's where we see the increases coming from um, and we also sell a lot of this card access for, for for appropriate customer where it's cloud-based and and you know we generate recurring revenue from that so that, that that would be our main source of reoccurring revenue so so on our part um we last year had made a decision that you know reoccurring revenue is a very important part of us uh, reinforcing and trying to solve, and it's all about training the salespeople to think differently. And I'm not going to say we are the expert at it, Mike. If you ever go to that uh, uh, conversation, I would like to be the third leg on that stool to uh, <laughs> understand, because you always learn something. But having said that, um, COVID didn't change our mind by any stretch of imagination. It just uh, reinforces is a little bit more. Um, the reoccurring revenue is the model uh, which will secure your future. You know, this little hiccups that happen for two, three months and hopefully that's all it is. And going forward, uh, COVID will be the thing of past, uh, but it would be big help if you had a reoccurring revenue constantly flowing, if you will, even if it's a little late or something because of COVID, but that's a huge plus. Um, in, in, in our in percentage of revenue, it's very small. We only had a ten percent of in our total dollars of revenue. Only ten percent is recurring revenue, and it's not. Our goal was this year, between this year and early next year to get to twenty percent um, because we sell off a lot of systems and uh, you know new systems and keep installing and keep servicing them. But uh, reoccurring is not as big of a portion of revenue as I would like it to be. That's one of the push we've been, since last year, we've been
2: doing it. And just so that I can clarify, reoccurring is a very important part of our our revenue strategy, just not the hosted piece of it. You know, we we just signed a million dollar reoccurring license agreement last week. Um, So it's, it's, that and that's that's reoccurring revenue. It's just the yes, hosted side of things is not what you know where where we see it as much, because um, most of the larger entities have capital budgets, and that's how they spend their money. Uh, and um, the hosted it sits on their opex budget, and they don't have as much there. So that that's that's just the way it works out with the larger entities that we're working with
0: yes and, and i would i would completely agree with Abe on that on that that uh the the hosted and managed access in uh works much better in the small to medium-sized commercial uh maybe in some school systems that aren't super big and those type of things is where we're finding the most success when you start to get into the really large applications it is not um it, it's not as, as viable and and it takes a lot more to sell so it's more of a small Small uh, to medium size is where it is, so, um, but uh, that's where the most success is.
1: Gotcha. Thank you, Mike. What I want to do now is throw out a general uh, question about other technologies, and I'm going to uh, mention a few of them, and what I'd like is for, you know, any of you to jump in with, one that I mentioned or maybe one that I don't mention that you're kind of excited about and and give me a reason why. So, you know, when we look at high profile technology coming in the industry, we're looking at things like, you know, the uh, multi-sensor arrays uh, um, for more video coverage, the analytics on video that we already mentioned, biometrics, smartphone credentialing, um, drones, robotics and security, active shooter and uh, license plate recognition type things. So uh, please someone comment on any of those or another technology that you're excited about. So who wants to jump in?
2: Obviously COVID is the big talk right now and it's hard to like talk about anything else um, during this time. So a lot of the conversation is gonna be driven by that, but before this and hopefully soon, all of the above that you just mentioned were really hot, hot button topics, uh, specifically analytics, biometrics, smartphone credentialing, uh, drones, perimeter detection, active shooter being huge. So uh, LPR as well. So we've seen a tremendous amount of interest and what what we're seeing is that our customers are becoming educated, seeing the value, and actually taking that from something we've been talking about for a long time to actually implementing, and uh, and and growing. So, yeah, it's very exciting. We hope that we can get back to talking about those things again, sooner than later.
0: Yeah, I'll add in there. the The ones that we're seeing the most traction with is uh, multi-sensor. Um, Cameras, I mean, those, those are huge. You're basically almost eliminating PTCs anymore. So customers are loving those. And, um, and that's one. Video lamp uh, analytics, like I said, it's is starting to slowly gain traction. I'm, you know, I love hearing that it's hitting the coast and, and it, they're getting a lot because I think that means it's coming our way soon. Um, and same thing with smartphone potentially. I love that. I'm, so I, we, and it's just kind of starting to take uh, traction here. We haven't, we're starting to get a, a little bit of uh, interest in that. I know it's coming. I just, That's one you just know is going to be out there. So those are the, really the three hot buttons that we're focusing on and that we're seeing the most uh, excited about to move forward with.
3: So I think the, the other technology that you previously mentioned, I would totally agree with that. That's Those are the most exciting things we were thinking about. And hopefully post-COVID, uh, we refocus on that. Um, video intelligence is, is just growing lips and bounce it seems like there's so much effort being put in by the manufacturer and different things that they're, they're coming up with uh, it's going to be a huge boost to us trying to implement and deploy that uh, for the customer to save them time and make that system that much more intelligent
1: Do you feel like uh, the fact that you know the trade shows have kind of gone on hi- hiatus uh, is that sort of also impacting you know the wave
2: we had of new technology a little bit? Yeah, you have to you have to you have to think so. Um, I for one miss the uh, the trade shows, uh, the socialization, the ability to bump into the manufacturers, bring things up nip things in the bud, um, walk around with our customers. I think that there's, um, you know, I, I'm I'm a member of SecurityNet and uh, we get together four times a year at PSA being one of them, but uh, we get together uh, usually in Vegas and, and then Atlanta and, and one other time we get together uh, at one of the integrator sites. And um, just the camaraderie and uh, sharing best practices and, uh, getting to you know you know speak to our our, our vendors and um, develop stronger relationships with them, uh, bull around with our 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 customers, get you know get a drink with them. so I think that uh, yeah, I think it is impacting uh, from from a, a lot of standpoint. Have we felt the impact yet? No, but you have to believe that in the long run there's going to be some impact, and hopefully by then we'll be back to normal, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I was planning on go ISC West this year and I don't go every year. I only go two, every two to three years. Um, but I was looking forward to going and just meeting with people and checking out the new products and those type of things. And, uh, um, same when some other
3: organizations that meet, you know, on a semi-annual basis and I, and those.